uh, in those beautiful songs of worship. I'm just first going to dismiss the children's for uh, the children's the children for children's church, uh, so you can uh, go ahead and follow my wife Alyssa downstairs. All right, before uh, before I start, I just want to pray. Um, so if you'd bow with me, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your presence here with us. Um, God, it is our desire to know you more to understand the one who gives us life and gives us hope, who continues to redeem us. Um, and God, I ask this morning that as I speak, um, that your message would come through clearly, that anything that isn't of you would be forgotten and removed, um, but that you would speak by your spirit. God, I pray that you would open our ears to hear what you have to say this morning. Amen. As a youth pastor, I, I feel that in order to connect with and try to understand teenagers, uh, I, I need to have at least a mild grasp on, on what the current trends are. You know, what's popular, what, what everyone is talking about, what's broken the internet. One of, by the way, one of my least favorite expressions. I hate, I hate when people say, oh, it broke the internet. It's, I don't know why, it just... You can't break the internet. Whatever. Um, I, I, must, I must confess that I, that I used to be a lot more aware of, of, uh, of this kind of stuff. You know, back when hipsters, when they first entered the scene and, and Charlie was still biting fingers and, and Krispy Kreme and Julian Smith were funny. Some of you are like, what is he talking about? That's what I'm saying, you know. And all, all the youth were talking about was the latest Taylor Swift goat screaming song. Yeah? No? Anyone? I trust half of you understood that last sentence, and I'm guessing if you understood it, you're, you're, you're in your, your mid-20s, because that's about, uh, that's about where I've dropped off. Maybe some of you younger folks still remember that. Time has changed, though, and, it just, it, and, and I just can't keep up anymore. It's, it's all getting far too weird. I don't understand half the stuff that's out there anymore, and I'm, I'm starting to fall out of the loop. And, and perhaps, yeah, well, there we go. Maybe it's a good thing. Only the stuff that goes completely viral ends up at my attention, and usually it's because uh, my good buddy back there, Pastor Jesse, who, who seems to still keep up slightly, brings it to my attention. He informs me of the things that, I, that are important. You know, I should be aware of this. And wouldn't you know it, this week, everyone seems to be talking about Yanni and Laurel. I'm just going to play a little video for you. Maybe. Laurel. Listen, listen. Laurel. 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 Just, just out of curiosity, show of hands, who, who hears Yanni? Okay, that's, and, and who hears Laurel? Fascinating, isn't it? It's a fascinating thing. When, when, I first, when I first heard the clip, I definitely heard Yanni. I couldn't believe that anyone could possibly hear Laurel. It, it just, 
But, uh, but after watching a video explaining how people whose ears are tuned to lower frequencies will hear Laurel, and people whose ears hear higher frequencies will hear Yanni, um, I found that I can actually hear both, depending on how I'm listening. If I listen for the deeper tones of the L, specifically the beginning L, if I hear that Laurel, if I hear it, if I start to hear that, I hear that laurel, it comes through, all of a sudden, that's all I hear. Now it's coming through clearly. You wonder, what in the world is this about anyway? <laughs> well, I find that it's a little, uh, it's a little like that with, with Scripture and my understanding of it. Over time, as I have studied and, and grown in my faith, things that used to sound one way to me now sound different as I have tuned in to other frequencies, as I have discerned together with fellow believers in community, and, and as I have tuned my ear to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, I, I suddenly, I, I hear a different message coming through. Uh, this morning, I want to I dig into one of these areas uh, in my life together with you. Uh, we're going to see what Jesus has to say about one of the issues of, of prayer that's, that's often very frustrating for us. Um, and I'm just going to before I go on, I want to tell you that for those of you who go to adult Sunday school, um, coming up the next, I think it's four sessions, uh, we're going to be watching uh, a little series on, on prayer by, by Max Licato. So I don't know if I'm going to be stepping on his toes or uh, if maybe he'll be stepping on mine. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so just to get you excited about that um, at, in adult Sunday school. Um, but anyway, uh, what, what do we do when we pray and nothing seems to happen. What, what do we do when we, when we don't get an answer? Have, have you ever been there before? You're not alone. Some, sometimes it feels like, like God isn't listening. Or the common phrase that, that goes, you know, our, our prayers don't seem to make it past the ceiling. I've been there. I, I know what that feels like. The sad thing is that, that this has caused some Christians to just quit praying altogether. They say a prayer and they don't get an immediate answer and so they decide it's not worth it. It's not worth it to pray anymore. Things don't turn out the way that I planned or thought and so they decide prayer is entirely useless. I can, I can totally understand the frustration, but this morning I want to show you some passages found in the Bible to encourage you before you decide to throw in the towel. Jesus actually addresses, addresses this issue in his teaching and he tells a parable about it. Um, so if you want to turn with me, we're going to be reading in the book of Luke, chapter 11. We'll start at chapter 11, verse 5 to 10. Um, and it says, it says this. <clears throat> this is the story. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children and I are in bed, I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to one who knocks, the door will be opened. It's a really interesting parable, don't you think? I'm, I'm always fascinated 
by the parallels that Jesus drew through, through the teachings and, and the stories he told. And, and this is no exception. I remember reading this specific passage in my Bible when I was a teenager and, I, and thinking clearly, this, this meant if I'm persistent enough in my prayers, then I will get what I want. I, I don't know about the rest of you, but, but a, a quick read. The first time I read this, I, I definitely heard Yanni, I, I think, if you know what I mean. I don't, I don't think that, the, that parables are meant to be intentionally misleading or confusing. And so I read this and I go, you know, there, there's the answer, right? God's not giving me what I want. Time to start pestering him. Jesus, sa- Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. So, so I'm asking and, and why am I not getting? I guess I'll have to start to get annoying. Whenever I, I read a parable... I usually try to figure out, who, who am I in this parable? Which character represents me? Where, where I'm at? In this parable, it really seems as though I'm in prayer. I'm the annoying friend. It's odd, though, isn't it? Because, because at first glance, if we're comparing ourselves to the annoying friend in the prayer, then God is the annoyed friend who gets pestered into bringing this guy some bread. It doesn't sound like the patient, loving father God that that the rest of the Bible teaches about? Is God annoyed with our requests? Is Jesus saying, yeah, God is going to be annoyed by you, but if you keep bugging him, he'll eventually give you what you want? You'll eventually get what you want? It would seem that the key to getting what you want in prayer is persistence. But maybe it's not that simple. Let's look at another parable. If you want to continue in Luke with me, we're going we're gonna to jump ahead just uh, seven chapters to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Verse 1 to 8. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. I was just going to stop there for a second. That's about as straightforward as it gets. Right? He says right there, this, this is what he was saying. But, but does it mean that I'm guaranteed to get what I want? Let's keep reading. He, said, uh, he says, Jesus says, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, Yet because, of this, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Here we have an old widow and an unrighteous judge. The old widow begs this unrighteous judge to come to her defense. And what does the judge do at first? He has no compassion on her. He tells her to go away. But as she is persistent, he finally gives in and helps her out. Could Jesus possibly be comparing God to an unrighteous judge and an annoyed friend who just 
is just trying to get some sleep? No. I don't think so. Let's not jump to that conclusion. We, we need to read carefully because Jesus makes it clear. Look at these two people. Look at this unjust judge. Look at this friend in the night who's frustrated. They're not even good people. And they respond when someone keeps asking. So how much more will a loving heavenly father respond to our persistence? I love my kids so much, but you always know when a parent starts like that, they're, they're about to talk about something that they find really annoying about their kids, right? It's kind of like when you're chatting with someone and, and you use that line, so-and-so is a super nice guy, but, and then you go on to blast them or speak negatively. Yes, we do that. It's the same thing here today. It's, it's like that. Anyway, I, I love my kids so much, but they sure can be whiny. I hope I'm not the only one who struggles with whiny kids. Maybe for you younger folk who don't have children yet, you can relate with whiny siblings, whiny somebody. There's got to be someone in your life who you consider to be whiny. Anyway, the other day, my wife and I were were attending a, a parenting conference that was all about learning to see through the behavior to the need that, that the child is actually presenting. And, and of course, at the conference, I got to thinking to myself, man, when I get home, I'm going to use these techniques, and my kids are going to be perfect angels. So we arrive at home after the conference, and, and the kids were so happy to see us, and we were communicating with them. You know, we get down to their eye level, you know. That's a trick. Listening to their needs, providing comforting physical touch. And, and I got to thinking, wow, this, is, this really works. Trust-based relational intervention is the bomb. My life has changed and my kids will forever be perfect now. Nope! The next day our kids were back to their crazy selves. So they're not behaving super well. I'm holding in all my frustration and it's all about regulating your emotions so that your children have regulated emotions, all this stuff. I'm trying to be a good parent, but it's, it's not really going great. This is then the time when my daughter decides that she deserves candy. Obviously, right? Daddy, can I have a lollipop, please? You all know the answer is no. You haven't been behaving. You don't deserve candy. Not even a minute later, Dad, can I have some candy? I'm trying to keep her from escalating because I know that was what we were taught. You know, like if they keep on, you got to start to like de-escalate the situation. So I say, so not, not right now, sweetie. Not right now, right? But, but, when, but, but when, Dad? When can I have candy? Can I have candy now? And, and do you think she stopped? Do you think she stopped asking for candy? No. She kept on asking, right? That's how it works. It's the only thing she cares about. It's the only thing she wants. And she will keep on asking me until I give her a hard no or I give in and I give her that candy. And as a parent, eventually... Just here, you know? Fine. Her persistence causes me to respond. This is the, this is the Mike Teeson paraphrase of the same comparison that Jesus uses in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. It's, we're going to take a little more, we're going to look a little more in Matthew chapter 7. So if you want to join along, you can jump there. Um, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, when, when Jesus says, um, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven 
Give good gifts to those who ask him. Just, just like me with my kids, if, if the characters in the parable who are unjust, who are annoyed, or, or who are even evil, you know, like as parents, maybe that, I feel bad that it calls me evil, even though I am evil. But I, I was, I am, yes. And so even if, the, if I can be moved to action, and if I can be moved to answer when I'm frustrated by my kids' behavior, then how much more will persistence move the heart of a loving and gracious God when we pray. He doesn't even compare to us. I sometimes I wonder if over time we've, we've kind of missed a little bit of the point of prayer. I, I feel like I was taught that prayer is just this, this conversation, but I'm, I'm coming before the, the creator of the universe and I and I'm, have the opportunity to speak to him. I need to choose my words wisely. I need to enter his throne with reverence. I need to realize who it is I'm talking to. But Jesus makes it clear that if we really want something, if you really need something, you need to keep asking. It only makes sense. If we truly believe that God answers prayer, then why wouldn't we keep praying until we get an answer? Matthew chapter 7, verse uh, verse 7 to 8, if we jump back a little ways from where we were says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Same thing that was the same. This is, it must have been the same record that we find in Luke, right? And, and it's interesting if you, if you study the language, and I don't actually know the language. Some commentary just happened to tell me this. That it, in the original language of the text, the, the tense that's used is the present continuous tense. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Right? God wants us to be persistent in our prayers. That is clear. And he's, he's a loving father. He's not going to be unjust. He's not going to be annoyed by our prayer. But, does this guarantee that the answer to your persistent prayer will always be yes? to exactly what you want. Because I know what you might be thinking, or at least what I thought it, you know, back when I was hearing Yanni, hey, if, if persistence is the key, then, then I'm begging God until I get that money. I'm begging God until I get that car. I'm begging God until I get, until I get. I'm sorry, like, I already know the answer to that one. Jesus says you ask and you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. You ask to spend on yourselves selfishly. That's, that's where what I used to think changed. It's not about me. When, when, I, when I first read those words, I was only looking out for number one. We do that far too often as Christians. What's, what's in it for me? How can I get what I want? It's, it's not about what I want. It's about surrendering my will to God to God's will, and doing what he wants because his way is the best way, even if it's completely opposite of what's comfortable or what's fun, what's popular according to society around me. It's, I'm thinking many of you, maybe you're more mature than I am, and you, you, read, it, you read it right the first time, right? And, but maybe you're thinking of a time when you, when you prayed so hard for someone to get better, 
You persistently prayed for healing. We know that God stands opposed to death. We know that he stands opposed to decay. He wants his kingdom to reign. So, so it's got to be his will, right? It's, it's not a selfish prayer. My motives are clear. I've dealt with the sin in my life. There's nothing standing in, there's nothing standing in your way. You did all those things. You, you prayed. Your family prayed. Your friends prayed, right? Your church prayed. And, and so, so then why did they still pass away? Why were they not healed? Were you not persistent enough? Is that, was that the problem? I'm, I'm sorry, but there isn't really an easy answer to that question. But I can tell you this. Prayer isn't a formula. Prayer isn't about getting what I want. Prayer isn't about having it exactly my way. Prayer is about communion with God, communion with your Creator. It's a living, active relationship with Him. And within that relationship, I truly believe, I truly believe He will lead you to a peaceful understanding of His ways that are so far beyond your ways. And when you are persistent, that relationship will only grow deeper and deeper and deeper. I, I believe that if we're, we are persistent in prayer, we will get an answer. And sometimes it's tough, the answer will be no. The problem comes when we start to believe, like I said, that our ways are higher than his ways. When we start to think that the way, the way it should turn out is exactly how we think is best. We're, we are not God. The real value of persistent prayer is not so much that we get what we want as it is that we become the person that we should be. How does it do this? I'm just going to close quickly with five benefits of persistent prayer. I, I recently took a course on my theology of prayer. It's not my Bible college, so I've got to read a whole bunch of books on prayer. And, and so uh, here you get a little bit, of, a little taste of that. Um, first, when we don't give up and keep on praying for something, it develops our faith. When God seems silent, our faith is tested. But as we, as we struggle to understand why we are not receiving an answer, it is an act of faith for us to continue to seek God in prayer. As we are persistent in prayer, the Holy Spirit responds to us and strengthens our faith. So persistence then builds our faith. Second, persistence in prayer develops patience in us. Our culture is such a right now culture. Everything is on demand. Stream it now. Instant gratification. Free shipping and it's here tomorrow. This kind of thinking has started to sneak into our worship, into the way that we view God, the way that we try and get what we want from God. It's got to be now. And that's not how he works. He's not going to answer right now. Right? If he's not going... Some of us go, if he's not going to answer right now, then I'm done praying. Like, what's the point? You know, I'm subscribing to Amazon Prime instead. That was, sorry. <laughs> you know, we know that God gives good gifts, and despite living in a culture that demands immediacy, if we can learn to wait on the Lord, we will come out with a stronger character. So persistent prayer develops patience. Third, 
Persistent prayer helps us to figure out how much we actually want what we are praying for or how much we actually need it. If you really believe that what you're praying for is right, then you will keep praying for it. It's, it's like that with most everything in your life. If you really want something, you won't quit at the first sign of, of adversity. When I give up on something, I clearly didn't want it that badly in the first place, or, or as I had thought in that moment. Persistence will help us to realize what we actually want or need is, is something totally different, perhaps. It's through persistent prayer that God may reveal to us our heart's true desires or, or his far better plan or his heart, the bigger picture of redemption in the midst of a situation that seems lost. Fourth, when we finally receive an answer from God for what we have been persistent about, we will respond with genuine gratitude. We are much more thankful for things that we have had to wait for. And so persistence can lead us to true joy and true thankfulness for what God has blessed us with when he gives us an answer. And finally, persistent prayer may actually bring us to a place where we realize that we have a part to play in answering our own prayer requests. I think a lot of times we pray for things almost as a way to not get involved in them. Oh, you're having a really tough time? Let me pray for you. That's, you know, I'm going to, it's kind of like a, I can, I can put prayer in between the situation and now I don't have to get involved, right? But if we truly care about that person, if we truly care about their need and, we, and it breaks our heart, we will pray persistently and as we pray persistently, we come to realize that sometimes it may take a step of faith, sometimes it may take me moving out of my comfort zone, but as, as I repeatedly pray for something, I'm bound to be changed by it, Right? And you'll likely learn that you can bring about something, something, you can bring something to this situation. There's something that you can do on your own end. So those are the five benefits of persistence. It, it builds your faith, it develops patience, it reveals your true desires, creates genuine gratitude, and, and it shows you your part. So then, what's your big request? What's the thing in your life that you need to be persistent about in prayer? What's the situation in your life you really want to see happen or you really want to see change? What's the prayer that you feel frustrated about because you're not getting an answer? Don't be afraid to keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. God invites you to. He wants you to. It's, it's part of building the relationship. We need to be continually praying. He has endless patience for your requests, even if they are requests that at the end of the day you'll discover you never really wanted in the first place. Go through the work of finding it out by being persistent in your prayers. Keep praying and you will see God alive and active in your life and the world around you as you plug into his kingdom and seek him more deeply through persistent prayer. Amen.